You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Lobshot is a crypto wallet stealer abusing Google ads. Coronation Fishbait, a known CCTV vulnerability, is currently being exploited. T-Mobile discloses another, smaller data breach. New Magecart exploits. Preliminary lessons from cyber operations during Russia's war. Rob Boyce from Accenture shares insights from RSA Conference. Our special guest is NSA Director of Cybersecurity, Rob Joyce. And Europol announces a major dark web market takedown. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. Elastic Security Labs reports a new trend of Google ad-based malware that uses an elaborate scheme of fake websites through Google Ads and embedded backdoors in what appears to users as legitimate installers. Elastic Security calls this malware strain LobShot and describes it as having hidden virtual network computing capability that allows LobShot to remain undetected by the host machine. Researchers attribute this campaign to the Russian cyber group TA-505, a well-known cybercrime group associated with Drydex, Locky, and the Nekors campaign. Lobshot is used to steal financial data, specifically going after Chrome extensions associated with crypto wallets. It also seems to have the ability to target Edge and Firefox wallets. As Security Week reported, The malware allows attackers to bypass fraud detection engines and provides them with stealthy, direct access to the infected machines. Elastic Security explains that it does this by performing a Windows Defender anti-emulation check, looking for hard-coded values within the emulation layer of Defender. If they are present, the malware immediately stops running. The malware comes with a built-in GUI which allows attackers to execute specific commands quickly, such as modifying sound settings, starting browsers, and using the infected machine's clipboard, presumably to obtain or modify copied wallet addresses. 
Researchers have seen an increase in fishing sites centered around Saturday's coronation of King Charles III, Computer Weekly reports. Kaspersky researchers have discovered many fake memorabilia sites that harvest credentials and steal money. Not only can the actors behind the faux sites steal information visitors enter, but the websites themselves are also insecure, allowing for outside hackers to harvest the entered information. Kaspersky principal security researcher David M. advises caution when procuring coronation collectibles and recommends sticking to familiar, reputable brands and official sites. Fortigard Labs is monitoring a spike in the exploitation of digital video recorder authentication bypass vulnerability, CVE 2018-9995, in TBK Vision Systems. Many of those systems are white-badged and sold under other vendors' brands. The researchers observed over 50,000 unique detections in the month of April. The vulnerability arises from an error in the vulnerable application when handling a maliciously crafted HTTP cookie. A remote attacker may be able to exploit this to bypass authentication and obtain administrative access. The vulnerability has been given a 9.8 CVSS score, which marks it as critical. The vulnerability was first discovered in 2018, and no patch has so far been issued. Security Week writes... Organizations are advised to review the CCTV cameras, DVRs, and related equipment they're using and remove any vulnerable models from their environments or ensure that they are protected by a firewall and not directly accessible from the Internet. T-Mobile saw their second data breach this year, Ars Technica reported yesterday. The breach apparently started on February 24th and ran through March 30th meaning that the attackers had access to personal customer data for over a month. This incident followed a January breach of the company's systems that affected 37 million customers. The magnitude of this breach is not anywhere near so far-reaching, bleeping computer reports, as the incident affected only 836 customers. But the information contained in the leak was highly extensive and exposes affected individuals to identity theft and phishing attacks. The carrier released a statement in late April disclosing that no financial information or call records were released in the breach, but an array of other personal identifiable information was exposed, including full name, contact information, account number, and associated phone numbers, account PIN, social security number, government ID, date of birth, balance due, internal codes that T-Mobile uses to service customer accounts, and the number of lines. Magecart credit card skimmers are devising new custom fraudulent modals that are said to be thoroughly convincing, Malwarebytes reports. A modal, the researchers explain, is a web page element displayed in front of the current active page. The researchers call the campaigns associated with the skimmer one of the most active Magecart attacks in recent months. A Parisian travel accessory store was found to be compromised. The skimmer, which researchers have previously dubbed Crytek, was injected into the site's CMS and loaded malicious code that impacted checkout on the site. However, the site does not use a modal, but instead redirects to a third-party processor's site that allows the user to enter their information and then redirects back to the initial merchant page. When a user selects the credit card payment option, the fraudulent modal is displayed and asks for payment card information. 
Once it's entered, an error screen will pop up saying the payment was canceled and will redirect to the merchant's real third-party payment processor. Malwarebytes calls this a good example of a skimmer that appears trustworthy. Breaking Defense offers a summary of expert opinion on the early lessons being drawn from the cyber phases of Russia's war against Ukraine. Widespread fear of a cyber 9-11 or a cyber Pearl Harbor, that is a decisive, crippling, bolt-from-the-blue attack in cyberspace, has proven unfounded. Breaking Defense says, The strategic lesson for the U.S., several independent experts said, is that this kind of drawn-out cyber conflict is a more likely model for future wars than the sudden-death visions of a cyber Pearl Harbor or cyber 9-11 predicted by U.S. officials for over a decade. While cyber operations have been and are likely to remain an important part of future wars, they're unlikely to be decisive war winners, nor are they likely to produce significant operational-level victories. In this respect, we note they resemble their older cousins in electronic warfare— valuable as combat multipliers, but not bringing an overwhelming advantage. It is perhaps worth noting that while the attack on Pearl Harbor and the terrorist actions of 9-11 achieved operational surprise, those who carried them out wound up eventually losing the war. And finally, Bravo Europol. The agency has announced a successful international action, Operation Spector, against a major dark web contraband market. Their announcement reads, In an operation coordinated by Europol and involving nine countries, law enforcement have seized the illegal dark web marketplace Monopoly Market and arrested 288 suspects involved in buying or selling drugs on the dark web. More than 50.8 million euros in cash and virtual currencies, 850 kilograms of drugs, and 117 firearms were seized. The seized drugs include over 258 kilograms of amphetamines, 43 kilograms of cocaine, 43 kilograms of MDMA, and over 10 kilograms of LSD and ecstasy pills. And that, friends, is a lot of stuff that's better off gone. Coming up after the break, a tale of two Robs. We've got Rob Boyce from Accenture with his thoughts on the RSA conference and our special guest, NSA Director of Cybersecurity, Rob Joyce. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. 
Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show Rob Boyce from Accenture, where he is the global lead for cyber resilience. Rob, it's great to have you back. Um, I, I want to start off just with your impressions of this year's RSA conference as you've been walking around. Has there been any things that have caught your attention? Yeah. Um, first of all, it's nice to be back and nice to do this in person. In, so in the, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a few things that really stood out to me, and I'm sure I'm not the first person who's going to say this with you this week, but mm. AI everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? I think we're, we're seeing a lot of companies become AI companies overnight by introducing you know, their, their, uh, their integrations or how they're going to use OpenAI or ChatGPT to increase the fidelity of their product space. So I think that's interesting. We're also seeing... Uh, you know, and that topic with generative AI, I think, is also what we. I think I must have every single person I have talked to this week. This has been a topic of conversation. Right? Like, is it right? Like, how fast is it going to get us to a better place? And I think a lot of people are really hoping that it's going to solve some of the skills problems, the deficits that we have, get people upskilled faster, being able to use a um, you know a generative AI assistant to be able to ask questions to, so you don't need to be a deep cyber expert, maybe. Mm. You could leverage the assistant to be able to, you know, augment your own knowledge. Right. And then we start thinking about um, how do we transition cyber from cyber skills and being deeply technical to maybe being better at asking questions. Mm. Right. So I think that that'll be interesting. It's a lot of conversation around that. Yeah. Um, also, um, space. That's crazy. Like we're talking now about how do we secure space and space being what, the 17th uh, segment of critical infrastructure, I think they're calling it. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that's going to be right. fascinating uh, right. as, right. that, as that unfolds more and seeing how that is. So, like, that was a crazy topic that I saw. Um, and the, the one thing that I always find when I come here or to Black Hat is how many technology vendors there are in, in, in the security space. Hmm. And I feel like this is my personal opinion is I think it's causing some of the problems that we have in the security space, right? Like this, there's I don't know, no less than a thousand probably vendors on the floor, right? Uh, all solving one small segment of the cyber problem, uh, rather than thinking about how do we integrate these, you know, products that maybe are more of a feature as opposed to an actual tool uh, into a larger ecosystem. And I think you know it's causing a lot of confusion maybe for organizations, and it also causes them to buy a lot more technology. And so this is why we always see, you know, when we go to clients, it's not unusual to have 150 different security technologies in an right. environment. And, right. and, and, and of course, now we're, with the economy the way it is and some uncertainty, I think there's an opportunity for us to use this time 
to uh, rationalize those stacks and how do we get more out of investments we already have as opposed to buying more and more technology. So I think we might be forced to think that way in the next year or so. But yeah, those are some of the observations anyway of just walking around. I'm curious, you know, for you as someone who um, represents an organization that I think it's fair to say is is an alpha provider, right? The scale and the breadth of the things that you and your colleagues at Accenture provide are... Uh, done at a higher level than many companies who are just smaller than you are um, and with different sense of capabilities. As you're walking around looking at the startups, the smaller companies, those scrappy folks who are around the edges, um, is it interesting for you to kind of get out of your bubble because because you do do so much in-house? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I really enjoy getting to talk to some of the innovators and yes, I am saying to almost two different things of the same, two sides of the same coin, I guess yeah, is the phrase. Yeah. You know, like the, I love seeing the ideas and the innovations that are coming out and being able to talk to people uh, around the problems they're trying to solve and how they're thinking differently. Um, you know, like, and, you know, just going back to the, the generative AI and the upscaling, I think there's, there's a lot of companies looking at how do we upscale the, the individuals in this space and whether it's through technology or whether it's through training you know, I think just being able to talk to them and, and hear the passion that they have around, like, we really want to make a meaningful difference in this space by, you know, getting people um, fluent, I guess, or literate in, in cyber. I think that's super interesting also. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love doing it. I tell you, you could, they could use a little more air conditioning probably <laughs> in the hospital floor. That's fair. It is hot down there, and there are a lot of people. Yeah. I, I do think, like, last year when we did this, we were talking about, is RSA back, right? And I think right. last year... You know, I was it was it was getting back, but this year I think I think there's more people than there were in 2020. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's really uh, amazing. I heard, I heard someone today mention that they'd seen that uh, the the attendees doubled this year over last year. Yeah, and I believe it. Yeah, Walking for sure. Around. Yeah, and I also find that there's a lot of international people here this year. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. I think RSA has always been historically very focused on North America for the most part, but there are every language you can imagine being spoken on the expo floor right now. And just, there's so many international people. It's, it's amazing. Where do you think we stand in terms of, of headwinds? Obviously we have changing economic times, which has affected our industry as well as other folks. But I'm, I'm curious, what are the challenges you see in the, in the year ahead? I, I do think people are being asked to do more with less. So we can expect, I, I think that not, not a, like no investment being made in cyber, but I think there will be probably um, consistent investment, maybe not additional. So I think CISOs and their security organizations are going to be challenged to do more, keep pace without having more budget to do it, which I honestly think is going to be a good opportunity for them to double down on the investments they have and think about how to get the most out of them. Because I will tell you, like we see organizations when we do incidents, they very often have the right technology to have prevented or reduced the destructive nature of the event, um, but they don't, um, you know, they haven't deployed the technology everywhere or they haven't configured it appropriately or they haven't operationalized the processes and integrated into their SOC perhaps. So mm-hmm. I do think this will be that opportunity to do that. Right? I, think, I think it's actually going to be good for us in some ways um, to try and not solve the problem with money, but actually do the hard work. <laughs> and, yeah, that's and, interesting. Know, a little bit of a stress test in a, in a way. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Rob Boyce, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave.
It is my pleasure to welcome to the show Rob Joyce. He is the Director of Cybersecurity at the National Security Agency. Rob, thank you so much for taking the time for us today. It's great to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. So I want to start off by uh, setting the stage a little bit and saying that I grew up sort of in the shadow of the NSA in uh, Howard County, Maryland. And way back then, it was no such agency, right? And we had many friends whose parents worked for the agency and we'd say, what do you do for a living? And they'd just say, I work for the government. It is remarkable to me um, how much that has evolved, that these days a big part of the agency's work, particularly when it comes to cyber, is interaction, is outreach, is uh, cooperation with industry. Can you speak to that a little bit about how that's part of the mission? Yeah, it's absolutely part of the mission these days. What we've recognized is U.S. industry, um, they own, they operate, they defend the Internet. Um, And all of the threats in that world um, happen inside their backyards. And so while I have a capability to look into foreign space about the threats and the operations that are happening there, I need a partner to work on the things that are on those infrastructures. And that's the natural place. And you you can't achieve the things we need to do without building that level of trust. Can we talk about some of the mechanisms that are in place? I mean, for example, I know you all are providing uh, support to organizations, non, non-governmental organizations who are doing business with the government uh, on the cybersecurity front. Yes. So we opened um, about three years ago the Cybersecurity Collaboration Center. That's fo- focused on the defense industrial base. So all of the big companies you would know and understand from their names on the buildings that do defense contracts. But the defense industrial base is actually 300,000, at least 300,000 companies. Um, And it includes those traditional big companies you think of, but increasingly the Defense Department relies on um, the big cloud providers, the incident response providers, all the the hardware vendors that make operating systems and all of the different technologies. And so by us taking that knowledge of the foreign threat space and applying it to help them collaboratively secure their environment, um, we protect the Defense Department's mission. But in fact, it rolls out into much larger spaces, into the rest of the government, into critical infrastructure. Even you and I at home get protected. When I teach a big company about Russian malware or their tradecraft, they don't apply it just to the Defense Department mission. They apply it to their whole customer base. And what is the mechanism by which that interaction happens? Does it, are we at the point where it's, it's bi-directional? It's flowing from industry to you and back and forth? It, it absolutely is. So years ago, we would take the things we knew and we would pass it to companies, often through an intermediary, another government agency or another path. Um, And and we just threw that one thing over the wall, and it may or may not have been useful. Most of the time, it wasn't. Um, And because there wasn't that bi-directional communication, we had no chance to learn that it was almost what they needed, but if we changed or answered this one question, it would be better. We never got things back. So we, we now have joint analysis. We'll pick a Chinese threat. And, you know, the Big analysts from industry are pursuing it with their data and on their networks. And we're bringing that SIGINT information together. And very rarely is it one substantive piece of information that makes the difference, but it's the ongoing dialogue and the joint analysis that gets us to really huge discoveries. 
Can we discuss the scalability of that? I mean, when you start a program like that, where there hasn't been one before, with something as large as cybersecurity, how do you approach that? Yeah, so we started with one company. It's 100% voluntary. So mm. every company that works with us does it um, of their own volition. There's no, there's no payment. There's, um, there's just the, the agreement that we're going to do good things together. Um, we're up over 300 now that collaborate, some of them, many of them on a daily basis where we're exchanging and working on hard problems. And, and what we're finding is those companies um, are, are seeing the benefit. That's why they put their resources into this partnership um, because it's protecting their customers, it's protecting their equity, and it's also protecting the nation. So they're, they're happy to be in that relationship where we're providing value and they see good outcomes. Uh, certainly here at the RSA conference, uh, a hot topic is artificial intelligence. Um, we've been sort of half joking that uh, on the way to the show that uh, half the booths would say we're chat GPT enabled and the other half would say we're protecting you from the things that are chat GPT enabled, right? I'm curious what the agency's um, perspective is on this. You know, is this, is this something to embrace, to explore, to be wary of? Where are you all there? So um, we have to embrace it. Whether we like it or not, you know, industry is going there and the technology has emerged and it's going to be impactful. Um, we, we do see it much like you framed it. Um, there's an element of bad guys are going to do innovative things with it. There's an element of we will be able to do much better defense using it. Um, and then there's the aspect of, you know, this is a national treasure right now. These companies have innovated and created things um, that others are going to look to steal. And so we've got to help them protect it. But across all three of those, the way I would characterize it is, I think the watchwords are going to be speed and scale, that using you know generative AI technologies, you're going to be able to do new things, but mostly new things faster or remove a lot of the the just the rote work. And so we're mm. going to see the people who learn to use it be better at either exploiting or defending than those who don't. What would you like our listeners to know about the way that NSA approaches our adversaries? You know, the names we hear in the news every day. We have an effort called Adversary Defeat. When we stood up the Cybersecurity Directorate, um, we deliberately picked a, a, a vision statement that we were going to prevent and eradicate malicious threats. And there was a lot of debate about that word eradicate hmm. because we don't actually have the authority in NSA to do eradication. But we thought setting the bar at anything less, you really wouldn't have the right attitude in the day-to-day -day engagement. So our hope is that we're able to generate intelligence, build technical insights, and then take those things to partners who can. And, you know, certainly Cyber Command inside Fort Meade is one of them, and they have the Defend Forward concept where they're not going to just leave the adversary to try and try and try until they succeed. We're going to put sand in the gears and try to prevent them from achieving the things they want to do. But it's not just Cyber Command. It's CISA. Mm. Um, it's FBI, but also Treasury, State Department, um, and then all of those commercial partners we talked about, they all have, you know, different and unique ways to put pressure on the adversaries, shine a light on them, take away their capabilities, um, sometimes, you know, get after them in law enforcement. 
or simply harden and do preventative things that will make their jobs um, harder to achieve their goals. Before I let you go, um, as we walk around the show floor here, there are lots of uh, folks who are just starting out their careers, um, looking to, to figure out, to find their place. Um, and for some of those people, NSA could be their place. What's your, what's your pitch for them? What's the, the mindset of the people you're looking for? Yeah, so the, the mindset are um, folks who want to work on hard problems with wickedly intelligent people um, in, a, in a diverse environment that's going to challenge them every day. So I came in 34 years ago. I've had careers inside careers. The most rewarding thing is if you see something in the newspaper, somebody at NSA is working on that problem, right, in that national security space. Um, but the really cool ones are the ones that never make the paper because mm. of the things we're doing. And that's just satisfying. It really <laughs> is very cool. Rob Joyce is Director of Cybersecurity at the National Security Agency. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. I really appreciate it. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The CyberWire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. This show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. 
In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.